discussing theological truths for biblical living, reviewing featured coffee roast and premium brewing techniques. This is the Caffeinated Theology Podcast, bringing you biblical truths over a fine cup of coffee. Well, thank you for joining us today for Caffeinated Theology, Season 2, Episode Number 4. And I got to say, last episode, uh, it was a I thoroughly enjoyed broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, in the Airbnb <laughs> house that we were staying at, uh, which um, was very comfortable. And uh, I think it really did uh, help to kind of get a feel for the city, uh, to be able to come back home and, and to record as we did uh, Southern Baptist Convention 2021, Nashville, Tennessee, at the Music uh, City Hall, downtown Nashville. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about kind of your experience. Lloyd, it was your first time at a convention of this sort. Yeah. Uh, what would be your takeaway? What what um, were you impressed? Uh, you know, I was glad that because um, you guys kind of gave me a little bit of warnings. Like there's probably this kind of talk up there, but I was kind of glad that for the most part, um, you know, being that we were talking about controversial issues from for not the majority, but for quite um, a decent amount of time, that for the most part people were respectful. Um, I was that kind of made me proud to be a Southern Baptist in a way that we were able to enter into um, dialect in a way where we're not calling people names and stuff, which is mm-hmm. today is rare in today's climate, especially in the political climate today. And you know, if you you can't agree to disagree anymore, and I was glad that some people yeah. were, uh, for the most part, yeah. very respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, um, other than that, I just I it was in, I, second time I've been to Tennessee, I believe, maybe third. Um, but love Tennessee. Um, also, I think the Airbnb was cool. Different scenery for or different change from the the desk for the podcast. That was right. kind of fun to set up and stuff with Jason. Yeah. I had fun with that too. So yeah. um, I enjoyed it. It was cool. fun. Uh, and the drive was long, but it wasn't too bad. Yeah, it, it was fun. Bad. Though. I, I always yeah. enjoy a long drive with friends. Yeah, so. Coming back yeah. home was. Yeah. Yeah, that was a little bit more rough. Larry Larry was the the, uh, hero coming home. I took an extra shot of, a double shot of espresso. And I got home and I was like putting dishes away. (laughs) We got home. I know when we got home, uh, by the time I took a shower and was ready to lay down and go to bed, it was getting light out. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but Larry, you definitely were the hero (laughs) because. Uh, I don't really remember any of the drive from Greensboro back home. I think I slept most of that. But uh, I'm a lot of weight. Yeah, yeah. but uh, it was a good trip. Um, you know, one interesting thing you mentioned: we stayed at stayed at uh, Airbnb, mm-hmm. and um, it seemed like uh, half of our hometown went to uh, Nashville I, yeah. uh, that week for other things. Yes. Just on social media, I kept seeing all these people I know in Nashville, mm-hmm. and uh, one one of them was a group. Um, a group of girls that was there for, I think, a bachelorette weekend, and Amazing. they stayed in an Airbnb. And mm-hmm. um, when they were there, the Airbnb was broken into um, right. while about half of them were there asleep. And come to find out, that has been a ongoing thing in Nashville. And uh, we were blessed because we had uh, all of this equipment with <laughs> us. And yeah. um, our air conditioner, at least the one in my room, uh, <laughs> every time it went off, it sounded like somebody's opening the front door. Uh-huh. So afterward, after the fact, I was like, man, they could have come in and taken yeah. all this stuff, and uh, we'd have never known it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, thankful yeah. to the Lord for protecting us in that way. And the convention itself, um, I thought, was good. Uh, we talked about it a little bit since we've been back. Uh, a lot of secular news outlets were, you know, really there chomping at the bit for the Southern Baptist to split. And I think a couple of people even maybe tried to report that they did split, which was certainly not the truth. Um, yeah, there was a little controversy and debate back and forth, but as Lloyd said, it was mostly friendly. Yeah. Um, there were, was it almost 16,000 people there? It was registered 16,000 plus, I think, and that was with the SIN conference. But I'm not sure exactly 
if all of those folks stayed. And then I think the last count was uh, close to 16,000. It's yeah. like 15,000. 15, well, well, regardless, you know, well over 10,000 people yeah. um, in the meeting. Yeah, it's, and it was 12 when we got there. When, when you got 10,000 plus people um, mm-hmm. who all um, have some kind of voice uh, and um, can speak to something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, not enough time for all 10,000, but, yeah. um, and you only have a handful of people kind of um, acting crazy. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a that's, that's a, a good, good thing. Testimony, yeah, as Lloyd said, especially in today's climate, yeah. everybody wants to scream right. and holler and fight to me, over. Yeah, to me, that was yeah, the most impressive part so, about it was yeah. that it was it was not right. the this past, It was not just multiple pastors from mega churches. It was you know, like, hey, I'm so and so from mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere, yeah. Alabama, with a congregation of probably 125. Right. Yeah, and this is what I think about this, yeah. and then. For, for the most part, it was just about everybody was mm-hmm. always in agreement. Right. Um, yeah. I like I th- that about it. I think the the probably the parts that had the most uh, um, I don't know if contention is the right word or people maybe not completely acting the way they should would be you know if there was a a point that kept going on and going on yeah. and being discussed back and forth um, just for the purposes of the convention not lasting yeah. um, for 30 days. Yeah. Uh, time. Yeah. Each thing had a time limit. And if a time limit got called, uh, there was a time or two where some people, uh, I thought it might get bad, but it, it kind of got, uh, um, handled quickly and, yeah. and moved on. So it was good. I think kind of the overall theme of the convention would, would be, uh, the Southern Baptist certainly, um, collectively took a stand, against uh sexual abuse issues and racial issues mm-hmm. um it seemed like uh every resolution and motion that was passed somebody would make an amendment just to tack on to the end of it uh we condemn um, all forms of racism and mm-hmm. um, all forms of sexual abuse so yeah. just trying to, i think the convention as a whole wanted to make that statement very clear yeah yeah well Southern Baptists, uh, you know, I think for the most part, the convention, no matter where you you stood on uh, on critical race theory, you know, as far as teaching it in seminaries, and the reason they would teach it in seminaries is to educate the people as to know what you're against when you go out in ministry. They do the same thing with world religions, mm-hmm. uh, do the same thing with uh, Greek philosophy, that kind of stuff. So you notice way of thinking and can track the ideas. But I think for the most part, the convention, you know, wants the betterment of the convention, and they have the best of the convention at, you know, in in their heart and mind. And to give you a good example of of this, as far as trends in culture right now, there's denominations that are compromising their beliefs. They're compromising, uh, you know, on the LBGTQ community and to be mm-hmm. affirming. And every single church that you see or denomination that has compromised, there's a massive decline. Yeah. And so, you, you know, we, we have seen it with the Presbyterian denomination, Episcopal for years, and now currently with the Methodist and more liberal-leaning churches that are or moderate leaning churches in the convention and so the baptist convention mm-hmm. you're seeing a decline so i was really glad you know to see that demonstration and uh, i'm i'm with you lord i'm glad that that i am part of an association yeah. that that still wants to do what is right and stand on the word and mm-hmm. and not compromise there but overall i thought the meeting was 16,000 15,000 people there i thought it was well represented um, and so, again, anyway, the takeaway, I think, is we're proud to be Southern Baptists uh, who uh, who've historically are considered to be people of the book, and I think that we have up- upheld that pretty well. Yeah. Well, stick around. We're going to uh, transition here in just a moment and move into the, um, speaking of the person and work of Christ, last week, last time we were together, we we're in the humanity of Jesus today. Uh, in this particular segment, we are going to take Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, and we're going to speak about the supremacy of Christ. Christ is better than the angels. Christ is better. 
He's the better resurrection. He's the better hope, the better promise. And so we're going to look at these things. So stick around, join us, grab your Bible. If you want, open up to Hebrews chapter 1. We'll begin there. And uh, for Caffeinated Theology, episode number four in season number two. In today's episode of Caffeinated Theology, we are furthering our discussion on the person and work of Jesus. Uh, We've already covered quite a bit of 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 um, the character and nature of Christ already uh, we've spoken about his divinity often his humanity and these are going to be things that will be intertwined throughout uh, probably the duration of of season two and sporadically off and on as we mentioned in previous podcasts uh, this particular season uh, we might uh, be uh, we might be absent for a week or might not have a, an episode that would broadcast. Uh, we might um, you know, take a couple weeks off or, or so be it. But uh, today we are furthering our discussion on the person and work of Christ. Uh, last time we were together in Nashville, we spoke of Christ's humani- humanity and humility as well. Christ uh, emptying himself. Uh, becoming a servant, as was in Philippians chapter 2, something theologians call the kenosis or the emptying. Uh, Christ become a servant, a servant of all. And so that was a an interesting take because there's so many different uh, opinions on those particular verses. Some would say that Christ emptied his divinity, and we know that's not the case. It was Christ became the place of a servant. And today we're going to Further our discussion, and we're going to speak about the supremacy of Christ. And so if we have spoken of the divinity and kind of elaborated on divinity and humanity, then ultimately these things combined lead us to speak of Christ's supremacy. But what is Christ supreme over? And uh, we're going to navigate through Hebrews, the book of Hebrews today, and there's there's often times when you'll find certain phrasings in this particular letter, uh, particularly when we get to chapter 11, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses. And uh, we'll speak about these things, supremacy of Christ. Uh, in fact, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says, Long ago and in many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. It says, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so... (laughs) The author of Hebrews, whoever it is, could be Paul, some say Luke, or uh, Theophilus. Uh, We're not here to negotiate that or debate that, but um, whoever the author of of Hebrews is, uh, his thesis is, in these four verses, Christ is supreme. Mm -hmm. But what is he supreme or better than? So we're going to kind of navigate through a few things today, and we're going to kind of tag team and... and, uh, Okay, so... The Bible, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. If I was to continue reading from what I would consider to be the author of Hebrews' thesis, we would say that he has, having become as much superior in uh, to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And so here's the argument. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You're my son, today I have begotten you, or again... I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So we would say that Christ, in that reading, is superior to angels. And that brings up an interesting discussion. Mm -hmm. Uh, We spent some time uh, in uh, discussing angels and demons, and we may have even elaborated, but not, not much. So why is it that our culture and even the church is enamored with this idea of angels among us. Oh, you know, I don't know. It just seem it does seem like uh maybe not just with angels, but a lot of times people are seeking for something extra. 
uh, to, I don't know if it's for validation of their faith or mm-hmm. what it may be, but uh, I, I, I have a feeling that it goes to the same desire or need within a person. Um, maybe it's caused by some doubts, I don't know, but if you think about every time a, a book, a new mm-hmm. book comes out that Mm-hmm. Talks about the lost books of the Bible, right. or um, I remember when the Da Vinci Code came out. There's like some un unrevealed stuff is in that book, or things like mm-hmm. that. People will gravitate to that stuff. I'm yeah. um, like they're seeking extra validation um, to their faith when we know that Christ is is supreme. Uh, the scriptures that we have, um, He's given us everything we need to know. But there does seem to be. Um, uh, in, in in many people, this desire to get further validation yeah. in their faith, and I don't know if if that uh, is why people um, just like you say are kind of enamored with this angels among us idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, protection. Uh, you know, we have a guardian angel. Some people say, mm-hmm. "I believe we have a guardian angel," which and, uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes that gets. Uh, yeah, we yeah, have the Holy yeah. Spirit. Yeah. I mean, you don't need an angel to grab your hand and lead you. The, you know, you have the, the Holy Spirit of God. You can't yeah. you can't get any, you know, higher than that. There's, and there's many people today that believe like passed on loved ones are watching on Yeah, the angels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, angels in heaven. Yeah. Um that's Mama I hear that all the time today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh and I think um you know, there's a healthy there can be a healthy uh form of that i mean yeah. it I, I think if if you were blessed to be able to see an angel i mean that wouldn't be a bad thing but we don't need necessarily to experience that to um, have confidence in our faith mm-hmm. yeah. and kind of on our discussion for today talking about the supremacy of christ and him being better than the angels um, i think of you know the old testament God spoke to uh, to people through um, different agents, uh, his prophets, his uh, his angels. Um, yet with Christ and the promise of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, Christ is our advocate, mm-hmm. and uh, he he is supreme in that to angels as mm-hmm. um, he is our advocate to God. Um, God speaks to us through uh, through his Him. Son, yeah. So you can go back and and. Uh, check out that uh, episode, which is episode seven, season one. Uh, we we go in a little bit more detail on angels and demons, you know. And, and there is a reason why angels they're in scripture, uh, but it isn't an elaborate display of of angels. Uh, they are messengers. Um, they they have they carry out the will of God in certain areas of scripture. But I think there is a reason why we don't see that uh, angels displayed as much as we do. And that's simply because we would do exactly what we do. That's Mm -hmm. venerate worship and, and look for, um, you know, and look for them in every, in everything. And people do that all the time, you know, seeing angels in the backyard or seeing angels came in and, you know that kind of thing, and we're not trying to um, to discredit somebody's experience on that. But the question becomes, why? You know, why do we need angels when we have Jesus, when we have Christ? So that's yeah. you know, especially when yeah. speaking of the supremacy of Christ. Right. And certainly, like you said, not trying to discredit that. If you go back and watch you know, that episode we did, um, we even tell tell some stories of people we know. Mm-hmm. Who had had maybe may or may not have been encounters. There went my phone. May or may not have been encounters, but uh definitely not belittling that, but really just want to uh lift up the supremacy of Christ. Um he's all we need and he's enough. Okay. So how about um what else might we say of of Christ is better? As we're if we're navigating through Hebrews, and there's yeah. a lot that, that a lot that speaks to the supremacy of Christ, but uh, what else might we say? 
Uh, one would be um, just looking to cha- later on in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 19, uh, is the reality that Christ provides us a better hope, um, which uh, verse 19 says, For the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Right. So, yeah, I think one thing is, is important when you're talking about law and grace is to distinguish what we're actually speaking of when we talk about law. Yeah. And in this case, I believe it is the, uh, I, I believe that you can incorporate the what we would consider to be the moral law, yeah. the civil law, and ceremonial law into yeah. this. But I think primarily this is speaking of the moral law of God, which we would call the Ten Commandments, yeah. uh, the Decalogue. Um, yeah. So th- I think the question becomes, is the moral law of God, the commandments of God, okay, what is their purpose? What was their purpose? And is the moral law of God still effective today? <laughs> well, I would say most definitely. <laughs> uh, being that it's just... You're talking about morality, you know, it's just as, which that's how I've always distinguished between those in the the civil ceremonial versus the moral law is that the civil and ceremonial, from my understanding, is that they had a specific purpose um, for Israel to separate them as a nation, Mm -hmm. um, whereas morality is just, uh, I mean, that's for both Israel and for all all the world um, because, you know, Not to use an extreme example, but murder is has always been murder. It's always been sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you know you might get into the kosher diets and stuff like that. That's yeah. a little bit different. I, or okay. At least I, that would be my argument. So yeah, Christ is more supreme. Yeah, over the law. Mm-hmm. But why? Okay. If you were to look at the Ten Commandments, and so this is something that we would we would teach here at Piney Grove. Um, you know, here at the church, if we were to have a a lesson on the Ten Commandments, we would look at those, the way that they were grafted and given to Moses by God. First, there are a representation, or they are a demonstration of God's character as holiness. Mm-hmm. So we would look at those, the first commandments, and say that these are for us to worship God, and then the latter portion are for us as we, as we um, associate one with another, okay? Loving God, loving one another, as Jesus summed that up. And to have total peace or shalom with God would mean that we are we're actively worshiping God and loving our neighbor, and that brings peace. But the problem is we can't do that in and of ourselves. Yeah. So the, the law and the commandments are just simply a blueprint. Mm-hmm. They don't give us remedy. Yeah. So I think that's what the author is getting at. Yeah. It's a blueprint of... Of God's holiness yeah. and our ineffectiveness to follow them out. Yeah. So, if anything, the law just revealed how much we needed Christ. X-ray, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, versus it being the solution itself. All right. So, why do you think it is okay that people become legalistic and try to add things? Well, it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it really is like a. Uh, Without the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, trusting in the work of Christ versus what we can do, it, it, I mean, that's impossible without the Holy Spirit. I mean, we understand that uh, we are sinful and separated from mm-hmm. God and that Jesus paid paid the price for our sin and he did all the work and he calls us to himself. But I think also at the same time, all Christ followers, um, even if you – don't fall into legalism. You have this desire to make up for your sin, or do mm-hmm. you know do uh, what you can mm-hmm. um, to uh, be right with God? Yeah. Um, and if we're not careful, and we don't uh, we don't reflect on these truths often. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll find ourselves going down the road of legalism, and I think a lot of times that. Getting getting to legalism comes from a, a pure place in, in someone's heart of wanting to serve God and follow God correctly, but forgetting that mm-hmm. God has done has done it all. Yeah. Now there is another side of it too. Um, I do believe that 
some legalism comes from um, maybe abuse of power and, and leadership roles and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um, historically. But uh, I think the majority of legalism does come from a place. It, it may start in a place of a person truly wanting to mm-hmm. to seek and follow after mm-hmm. God, and, and we just forget that truth that he's mm-hmm. He's done everything. Christ better than the law, the fulfillment of the law. And, cer- and certainly on that and talking about how Christ is better, he's better than anything we can offer him. Yeah, His, his perfectness is so much better than anything we can offer. And uh, when we remember that, um, that will help protect us from, from mm-hmm. falling into legalism. Because we do want to serve God and we want to love God and we want to live rightly. But when we fall into this uh, um, this trap of... If we don't live exactly right, then God's going to forget about us. God's going to abandon us, um, or you know, we may lose our salvation. That's kind of where legalism can can lead you to. Um, if we forget about uh, yeah. the supremacy of Christ yeah. and, and His work, yeah. yeah. So there is another end of the spectrum. So yesterday we celebrated our nation's independence um, and our freedom. And, um, you know, we enjoy our freedoms we have as Americans, but we have freedom in Christ, too, and Mm -hmm. uh, we often need to reflect on that. And one of the things, I think, when we're talking about the law and the freedom we have, so the question is, what is freedom? And um, I I think we have freedom in Christ. But when you're talking about the law, there are two sides of the spectrum. One of the spectrum we've already spoke about, that's legalism. That's adding to the law adding things that God never said. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, uh, legalism would say, i got to throw my TV out if I'm going to be holy. I've got to dress a certain way if I'm going to be holy. I've got to pray a certain amount of times a day if I'm to be spiritual. That is kind of a, a good demonstration of legalism. But there's another side of the spectrum, and that is no law. In theological terms, this is an ancient idea of, I don't know if we want to put this word, antinomianism. So I don't know if we want to put that on the screen or whatever, spell that out. But that <laughs> means basically no law at all. And so yeah. you, it's, it, here's the idea behind it. I'm in Jesus. I'm, I'm born again. I'm saved. So I can sin, and the grace of God will forgive me. No law. And that's uh, the what, modern ter- interpretation yeah. of that would be um, – if we don't sin a little bit, then Jesus died for nothing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which that sounds even worse. Than and, you know, I had a guy back home. He's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he would term that. So I had that antinomianism. He would just say it's greasy grace. That's what he would say. <laughs> greasy grace. Greasy yeah. grace. And so that is the two end of the spectrum. And somewhere, well, somewhere, we, we got to enjoy the freedom we have and not look over our shoulder. You know, mm-hmm. you know, the Holy Spirit does a convicting. And then on the same time, not add something that God yeah. never said. And so yeah, yeah. our freedom in Christ is balanced somewhere in the middle of, that, of, yeah. of all of that. And, and again, I think, I think, again, quite often that comes from a place that's not necessarily starting out in the wrong place. Um, and I've said this before. We were talking about it before uh, the podcast on another issue about how we tend to overreact to or overcorrect um, things that are wrong. And I think sometimes that comes from overcorrecting from legalism. Um, And what you said of if I sin, uh, the blood of Christ and his grace is going to cover it, that is absolutely true. However, uh, for a Christ follower – um, the Holy Spirit works in our heart, and we don't want to sin. Yeah. So uh, it becomes a change. Yeah. Nate. You become a new creature. So this idea of, well, I can do anything I want to do. Um, well, if you're a Christ follower, when you're not uh, serving God and you're outside of His will, um, that's not going to be your want. Your want to, yeah. and uh, that that's where the problem is when, uh, when someone would say, well, I can live, however. Yeah. However, I feel like yeah, um, you're not going to feel like mm-hmm. it if you are in Christ. At least not right. uh, consistently. You may can 
lie to yourself for a little while and and backslide and fall into sin, but at some point the Holy yeah. Spirit is going to convict you mm-hmm. and bring you back. All right. This is where this idea of uh, where people would say, you, you Southern Baptists, you believe that you have a license to sin, and that's not the case. Uh, they would even say, once saved, always saved, which we'll talk about that later on in, a, in another episode when we get to soteriology um, you know, and, the, and the atonement you know, of Christ. We'll talk about that as, as we get there. But some folks would say that you believe in once saved, always saved, and that's a perversion of the actual doctrine itself. It's a perversion because we don't believe that you have a license to sin. Uh, we believe that your nature has been changed and yeah. you do not want to sin. And that's a big difference. Yeah. And so Greasy Grace would, or <laughs> would say, hey, uh, I'll do whatever I want, you know, and, and yeah. God will forgive me. You know? So anyway, once we get to that episode, we'll elaborate a whole lot more on that, that thought, uh, especially when we get uh, to uh, different theological ways of thinking of salvation in terms of uh, more Reformed Calvinistic mm-hmm. uh, leanings or more Arminian uh, free will type of way. Uh, th- that's something we're not going to tackle in this episode. It takes the whole, it would take the whole time. Yeah. But anyway, you, you kind of get to that, uh, that perversion of that in the tulip is the perseverance of the saints yeah. uh, you know, in that, and it's, um, it's a perversion of that actual doctrine. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, move on. What else might we find? Christ is better, um, that we would say, navigating through Hebrews, Christ is better. Uh, so we had angels. Um, better hope. The better hope, mm-hmm. uh, better than the law. So what else might we? Um, better covenant. Uh, that kind of goes with the law. Um, you know, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22 um, it says this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. And then chapter 8, verse 6, for he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And I think that really ties um, back to what we were talking about, the law. Um, and, you know, the old covenant was really, you know, an agreement between um, God and Israel. God laid out the law, um, and they were expected to follow the law, which was so much different than the world, um, so much different than the customs of the ancient world. And it set them apart. Uh, it, um, it declared that they were God's chosen people. Um, however, it also um, fully, fully made... I'm completely crystal clear that mankind could never, ever meet God's standard. Um, I've been reading through um, 2 Kings, and all you see is uh, kings who lead Israel um, in sin. And then it seems like for like every three or four sinful kings, you'll get one king who... uh, who served God, and then there would be there'd be a thing that says, "But he didn't tear down the all the um, the the houses of worship of idols, or but he left an Azure pole, or something like that." It just could not meet the standard. And uh, when Christ came and and uh, um, and brought the new covenant of His work on the cross. Um, he 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 perfected it. He lived that life mm-hmm. without sin, um, so that the agreement became God did it all. Yeah. Um, instead of here's the law, you follow it, your land will be blessed. Um, it's like no, I am the law. I fulfill mm-hmm. the law. You trust in my work and follow me. I will enable you to follow me through the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he is the better covenant, right. the perfect covenant. Something to think about when, especially when you're talking about covenant, kind of have written in my, my margin, Christ is the covenant. Yeah. Okay. So one thing to that has kind of been helpful for me in ministry, especially when we've been we've been working through, uh, I've been working on preaching through the Old Testament in my preaching ministry, and uh, we've 
we've spent time in Genesis, uh, spent time all the way up to Deuteronomy. We'll be in Deuteronomy next time around. One thing that has been one thing that's been helpful to to keep in mind, like I have a little note, kind of mental note of the covenant, and everything makes sense in the Old Testament under that understanding of what the covenant is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you see that God um, seems to act um, very uh, drastically, somebody leans over, touches the ark, boom, they get struck down. Yeah. Uh, that this is all because God is keeping and protecting his covenant that he made yeah. in spite of humanity, in spite of our own sinfulness and you know, in spite of who, who we are is broken, God is going to keep his covenant. And so that's helped me tremendously reading through the Old yeah. Testament, answering some of those difficult. Because God is the same in the Old Testament and the New. Just in the New Covenant, we obviously have Christ, um, yeah. who, who we know that the Bible says he was our propitiation. And, you know, that the wrath of God, we could say, was was on Christ in that moment on the cross. So... He he is the covenant. All right. So we have Christ is better than angels, gives a better hope or better than the law, uh, promise or covenant. Um, how about Christ being, let's say, the better sacrifice, more so than the sacrificial system that we might find in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and such? Yeah, uh, Hebrews 9.23 says, Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Mm-hmm. How about verse 24? I like that. That, that kind yeah. of gives you the... For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Okay. Good. So he's become the better sacrifice than mm-hmm. um, than blood, the blood of lambs, yeah. and, and rams, and which all of those things. If you read Leviticus and you come out of reading that without leaning to the spotless lamb of God, uh, then you need to go back and reread it because um, you're missing missing yeah. some things there. I don't know how a person can read of the sacrificial system and not see foreshadowing of, of Christ in, in that, mm-hmm. and that he, he is better than the blood of, of rams and, mm-hmm. and, and sheep and, you know, and, and is the spotless lamb um, of God. But verse 24, this, he's not only the better sacrifice, but the better mediator. Yeah. You know, as to now, there's no need of man mediating between God, mm-hmm. you know, and, and man. You don't need a man. You don't need a priest. He is the yeah. high priest, uh, which Hebrews also elaborates on that as well. He is the high priest. Yeah. So you don't need somebody who can offer those sacrifices. So think of it like this. You got Jesus who not only is the high priest, but he's also the sacrifice yeah. at the same, same time. time. Yeah, and you think about like, you read the, uh, I think it's in Levit- Leviticus, uh, when the law is being given and the all the festivals that the yeah. the Hebrew people have to celebrate and mm-hmm. all the different types of sacrifices. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you read through that, it seems like, do they even have time to do anything else? It seems like all they're doing is mm-hmm. sacrificing and yeah. uh, there's some kind of festival that, that mm-hmm. like, is a you know centered around a certain type of sacrifice right. and this and that and uh, in Hebrews ten uh, it actually talks about that and and all the sacrifices of the Old Testament um, and how Christ is the uh, better and ultimate sacrifice and then in Hebrews ten seventeen and eighteen it says then he says I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Mm-hmm. So he is he is the sacrifice. Um, you know, earlier you said he is the covenant. He is also mm-hmm. the sacrifice mm-hmm. um, that fulfills uh, all of that Old Testament uh, sacrificial mm-hmm. system. Um, 
because sin is forgiven, there is no need right. for more sacrifice. So there's a there's a long segment there that that you, I mean you can't just like break in on a particular verse. So like from verse nine, you know, and we read verse twenty four, but twenty five you continue that idea. It says, uh, nor was uh, nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as a high priest. Yeah. So once and for all, the holy place every year with blood, not his own, for then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all, the end of the ages, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it was appointed once to die, after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Yeah. So this is this once and, once and for all yeah. sacrifice. Um, so yeah, obviously... Uh, we would say Christ is the better sacrifice laid out from the author of Hebrews. Yeah, also, uh, again, in chapter 10, um, it says, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifice again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, Good for all time. Right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, I think we need to have some coffee. Yeah, let's have some, some coffee. Today what we will be enjoying, uh, most of these coffees are, are a practical way of making them. We're not, uh, you know, baristas or you know, we're not making this an elaborate thing. We're just enjoying coffee. Uh, but this particular uh, roast today will be continuation of the pastor roast we've been experimenting with many different uh, beans roasting them at home uh, but today we are going to enjoy the pastor roast uh, from my kitchen um, from my roaster my whirly pot roaster uh, from ethiopia now this is an organic bean uh, offered and distributed by sweet maria's we've we've offered that uh, before and so we'll uh, we'll be doing that as well so stick around, grab a cup of coffee, and uh, we'll come back in just a moment, and uh, we'll share this uh, particular roast one with another and kind of uh, give a review on it. Yeah, and, and just a little little uh, preview. Uh, there was a little bit of issue roasting this one. Um, we've done this one before, but we wanted to share it again because there's a little issue in the roasting process, mm. and if you're roasting at home, um, this will be, I think, beneficial to you. Yeah, this will highlight... Something to avoid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For today's experiment, I think it is kind of an experiment. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, this is the pasta roast. We're going to do this in a pour over. And uh, one thing that we did today that we hadn't done in the past, we kind of wet the filter down, uh, make sure it was good and wet. And I've already poured the, the bean, the grinds into the filter already and uh, you can you can grind these however fine all the way up to espresso however however fine you want to grind these we kind of uh, we, we don't go as far as espresso but uh, we are going to uh, we're going to do a pour over enough for uh, for all three of us to enjoy just a little sample uh, this, of course, again, is the pastor roast, uh, Ethiopian, organic Ethiopian uh, bean from, uh, from Sweet Maria's, and they are, they are out from in California. And the thing we want to, I'm going to go ahead and kind of share the, uh, the mishap is I roasted these particular beans on a stovetop that, that had the traditional coil uh, heating element in in the stovetop itself and not like a ceramic flat stove and so the medium heat that i had it set on was actually a little bit higher so if you're doing this at home and uh and you kind of are wondering where your heat should be set i would certainly get a thermometer for that and measure heat that way i just would kind of do it based upon just the medium heat and this was high and so i actually heard heard the first crack like 
it was like seven, eight minutes in, and I'm like, uh oh. Yeah, normally it's like it takes twelve about, to fifteen. Yeah, it yeah. takes about fifteen minutes, and I heard that crack, and I'm like, well, I must have it too hot, and so I backed it off a little bit, and it was still too hot, and so on my stovetop at home, I got it set just right, and so um, it took a little while, but I think now because the bean it has been setting for for a little while, and it is just now uh, beginning to taste as it should. Um, it took a little while, but it had this little kind of a green taste to it. And I would just say, make sure your temperature is set right there. There's a reason why folks use thermometers in their, you know, in their uh, in their roasters, and don't have the heat set too high. But I'm going to pour this over, and we're going to enjoy. All right, so we got our cup of uh, coffee, and we're going to transition our discussion to Hebrews 11. Now, Hebrews 11 is a well-known chapter in the book of Hebrews, particularly on faith. In fact, if one was to give a definition of faith, a lot of times they go to Hebrews 11, verse 1, that says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things of things not seen. And then it goes on in, in this uh, demonstration of what that looks like under the supremacy of Christ. And all of those Folks, the cloud of witnesses uh, kind of give testimony uh, that uh, of, of their faith. And so we're, we're going to just kind of look down through this chapter uh, a bit because there is a few things that are mentioned here, uh, particularly the phrase by faith or the proclamation by faith. And so it says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by God. By faith, um, Abel offered a to God a more acceptable sacrifice. And it says, uh, by faith Enoch was taken up. Um, God had taken him, uh, God had taken him, translated him out of, um, to be with him. By faith Noah was warned by God concerning events. By faith Abraham obeyed uh, and was called out to go to a place where he would receive an inheritance. And by faith he went out, by faith he lived. Uh, by promise, by faith, Sarah. And it goes on and on. And, and this would be this cloud of witnesses, you know, that lived um, according to the, the commands of God without ever seeing uh, the, the future in the sense of they lived by faith that God was going to bring a deliverer and they would rejoice without ever seeing it. They had faith that God was going to bring to about bring about his uh, his purposes for verse 13 says these all died in faith not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth and so they never they never saw messiah but they took god at his at his word and so uh, and then it goes on down uh, where it speaks of uh, Christ in his supremacy being the a better resurrection, particularly verse 35 uh, that, that reads, let me get to it, verse 35, and it says, uh, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept relief, release so that they might rise again to a better life. And so Christ being the better resurrection. Um, really the fulfillment of, uh, of what all these clouds of witnesses were um, believing, mm -hmm. believing in that God would, would do and fulfill. Yeah. Uh, I think talking about faith too, um, right there kind of, um, not necessarily in the, the center or middle, but in between a few of these that you we're reading uh, verse 6 says and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists mm -hmm. and that he rewards those who seek him and I think you know as far as the uh, for a Christian um, to you know to come to God you have to have faith um, the, you know we, we often say and, and really kind of one of the purposes of this podcast is to um, demonstrate that our faith is a reasonable faith and 
uh, you know, there are a lot of things that you can observe and see that point to Christ and point to God. But at some point, um, there is an element of um, trusting God mm-hmm. and trusting. You know, we 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 can't beyond a shadow of a doubt physically prove uh, the Bible or physically prove God exists. But we know through faith, mm-hmm. through the work He's done in us. But there's there's always that element of faith, yeah. yeah. And and that is one of the things that's really like uh, tough or almost impossible to um, articulate to someone yeah. what the work of Christ in your heart is until you experience mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is the great thing about our faith is that God doesn't just leave us kind of to blindly follow Him, mm-hmm. and we see His work um, in our yeah. own heart. But then also in the hearts of others, um, I think of you know Romans one where we see His work in creation. Uh, mm-hmm. So while there is that element of faith that that you have to have, um, it is a blessing that that He brings alongside that faith some tangible things mm-hmm. we can we can see yeah. and observe. You know, and the cornerstone of our faith is the resurrection. Yeah. Um, but I will, you know, you also want to talk about the incarnation, and um, you know, and that's one of the things when you're talking about the resurrection, it's, it's by faith. But as Paul said, without the resurrection of Christ, then we are people most miserable, and uh, and our and our faith is in vain, mm-hmm. and reasonable faith. There's plenty of reasonable evidences points to the historical resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, and. That, again, that's one of the things that we try to do by having a podcast is try to demonstrate demonstrate those those type things and maybe an apologetic way in some things and you know and and try to grow in our faith in in that um, such as today's podcast. Yeah, and I think you know, kind of a um, a way to put it is sometimes uh, in the world Christianity might be looked at as a dumb faith. Mm-hmm. Um, as what I mean by that is, uh, people believe it because they've always been told it, and they've never looked into it intellectually. Yeah. And the world would say, if you really look into it and stack it up with science, it it falls down. It's just <laughs> you know, dumb people yeah. believe that. Right. Which and is, it's just it couldn't be further from the yeah. truth. Uh, and that you know that's why it's important to know theology, understand theology, um, understand apologetics, and. Uh, our faith isn't a dumb faith. It is a very sound and reasonable faith. Yeah, and I believe that most of the when people bring that that uh, idea up that it's uh, that Christians are uh, are science deniers or that it when you put science against Christianity it falls apart. I think get, to give them the benefit of the doubt, I don't think they've actually done yeah any to really uh, research so. what they are accusing. Christianity of mm-hmm. they are doing themselves, themselves. with their yeah. uh, presuppositions and ideas about Christianity. Mm-hmm. They to say that Christianity for someone to really say that Christianity is a blind, dumb faith um, shows that that person has not actually looked into Christianity, but are repeating mm-hmm. a talking point or what they have heard as a defeater, if you will, of, yeah. of Christianity. Yeah. Scientists would say the same thing of philosophy, though. So it's not uh, science and philosophy are at odds with one another. I mean, you cannot incorporate philosophy into the realm of science. And it's just the same thing with them, with science and Christianity, because they would consider science a form of, of a philosophy of sort, mm-hmm. and and they just they they butt heads one with another, and it's almost like trying to compare. Um, Mountain Dew and and coffee or something like that. They're, they're not, yeah. you know, they're not integrated. Um, Christ followers can certainly use philosophy. Certainly can use science, but they're not, yeah. you know, they're they're not uh, the, the same issue. And and we've said it before. When, I think it was on the earlier podcast. We're talking about how science and you know the Bible is not a book of science. It, it's not trying to demonstrate uh, the age of the earth. It's not trying to demonstrate those type things. And yeah, um, but the resurrection is one of those one of those things that I think that we we must we must give reasonable evidences we, for. Most definitely. 
So you look at all of these that are on the list when, uh, you know, we talk about this cloud of witnesses. So why is it important to know that Christ is better than the angels? Why is it important to know there's a better covenant, a better promise, a better hope, better than the law, um, a better resurrection, so forth and so on? Well, I believe chapter 12 helps us to understand why. Uh, first it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And, and here's the point I think it's trying to make. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is uh, set at the right hand the throne of God. That's yeah, that's good. That's your purpose. And, and I, I really look at that, like especially off of our discussion today. Look at that word perfecter, the perfecter of our faith. Um, you know, a lot of these witnesses in chapter eleven, uh, you could use in a study of archetypes of Christ. You know, people who are pointing to Christ, what Christ would do. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this all throughout this season. How. At some point or another in all of their lives, they don't measure up. Yeah. Uh, they fall short of um, that Christ mm-hmm. figure. But they were archetypes and pictures of of, yeah. of the Christ to come. And yeah. then when he came, he was the perfect, final, mm-hmm. the one. Yeah. And uh, I love that word, the, the perfecter mm-hmm. of our faith, because he did the work, right. as he said on the cross, it is finished. Um, as we just read in chapter 10, he is the final sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this stuff that the Old Testament was building up and pointing yeah. to, um, Christ was the better, the perfect example of all of it. When you're talking about the Bible as a unified story, that's what, one of my favorite things to, to view is the looking at the characters of the Old Testament and saying, like, oh, is he going to do it? Oh, he fell short, mm-hmm. and then repeats over and over again. And it's almost as if the New Testament, in the same way, when Jesus comes into the scene, I was like, oh, is he going to mess up like everyone else before him? And then you, I mean, you have all these similarities of, like, being tempted in the wilderness, and you're like, oh, he's going to fall. And he's like, oh, he didn't. Yep. He didn't do that. And I think, mm-hmm. the, I mean, I, the Bible can kind of, in a way, works yeah. really well with itself. Yeah, and, that that, and that's a perspective. A lot of a lot of people who've grown up in the church never never mm-hmm. look at it that way because yeah. we grow up knowing Christ is perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I've done this year that I've never never done before. I'm in the middle of is chronologically reading through the mm-hmm. the Bible, and uh, doing it that way has you know given a a, a clearer and better perspective of um, looking at that overarching single story of, of yeah. scripture mm-hmm. yeah. it's like i'm and i'm going i'm in second kings right now and i'm anticipating seeing christ fulfill what what israel is so mm-hmm. um, yeah. bad at, at or so unable to do yeah 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 they they fail <laughs> at being <laughs> light to the nations yeah so you think about any character in the bible you know and a lot of folks especially in the more traditional church setting they they just want desire um you know a a sermon series on let's talk about david or let's talk about moses oh yeah let's talk about him um you know it's any character of the bible you know you think of adam well adam is fulfilled in the second adam you know in christ you think of moses a deliverer well jesus is that deliverer yeah you know and the list can king david you know and the, and the list can go on and on and on, um, you know. And I think that's a good a good perspective mm-hmm. when reading the scriptures to see those characteristics, see their flaws, and how, you know, as Hebrews says that Jesus is the perfecter of of, of our faith, and uh, so that's good. All right. So how about the how about the uh, the coffee? Let's uh, let's see. So this is a last sip overheated. <laughs> coffee roast um, beans got too hot first crack about seven eight minutes in um, so but there is hope okay and and here's hope uh, if you roast your coffee at home and it gets too hot like that I would let it set a week before I even touched it yeah it wasn't bad it wasn't yeah. bad um, yeah. I know when you first roasted it you said oh this is the worst one I've ever roasted 
and uh, yeah, it, this is the first time I've tried it. But uh, it has a little bit, like you said, a little bit of a green taste to it. You can you can tell maybe the I guess maybe the middle of it didn't completely roast or something because it does have a green taste, yeah. but it ain't too bad. Uh, I think uh, maybe it just took a little extra conditioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's really just now even after two weeks starting to smell like it's supposed to smell yeah. and so mm-hmm. um and i had bought i had purchased four pounds of this the first pound turned out great this uh this last uh t- actually act- that last two pounds of it uh, rusted was high temperature but as i continue to drink it it yeah it's better but i would i would say you know i would probably give it about 3.5 mm-hmm. uh out of five beans <laughs> yeah i'm probably around the same uh it's you know it's not up there with the the one we had in nashville or the uh the the uh, onyx coffees or those but uh it's certainly above the uh duncan and the um i mean we're not even going to talk about the food it's line. still better than the food line <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's still certainly above the I'm duncan sure. Um, and I think, you know, some of that has to do probably still with the freshness. I think any kind of name brand coffee, it's just going to be old when you get it. Yeah, I, I, I think I would rather um, steep some cigarette butts than to drink that food line. <laughs> yeah, that was that was not good. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we'll come back uh, next episode. Uh, we will transition in the nature of Christ on the prophet, priest, and king. And Jason, Pastor Jason, has a little bit of information concerning an opportunity for you to enjoy uh, some of the roast that we're able to enjoy, too. Um, just a little bit on, on that. Lloyd, if you would put that up by the camera. Um, you know, we, we've uh, step on up there so they'll be able to read that. Uh, we, for really probably most of this season and uh, the second half of the first season um that's good lord you can come come on and have a seat uh, we uh have been roasting our own coffee and we kind of joke calling ourselves the caffeinated theology roasters <laughs> um but one of the things with this podcast is we do want to review um coffees that you guys can get i mean mm-hmm. we we want to be able to put out as good a, a podcast as possible so um, we're kind of thinking about the idea of roasting a little bit, and if anybody wants to um, order some caffeinated theology roasters coffee um, to make that available, um, to to do two things. Uh, one, maybe to help us purchase uh, some coffees from different places to review here on the podcast, but also uh, to upgrade a little bit of the equipment that we have. And on the bag, as you saw we have our logo and also uh, some QR codes to the podcast. So uh, if you anybody is interested in, in getting a bag of coffee, um, send us a message and uh, we'll roast you some fresh coffee. And you can uh, display the bag at your home or at your work or somewhere like that and encourage people to scan those codes and check out the podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, that way we can uh, get the word um, of the gospel out, as well as uh, you guys enjoying some fine coffee with yeah. us. So this is a Tanzanian tea, pea berry. Yeah. Okay, well, um, it will be. Uh, it could be anything from the Tanzanian pea berry to Ethiopian. Um, it'll be a fresh roast of what we have. Um, and in saying that, uh, coming up maybe on the next podcast. Um, if it comes in, I've ordered some coffee from Yemen. Uh, Yemen is debatably the first place that coffee was ever drank. And we'll talk about that when we feature that bean. But uh, it's either Yemen or Ethiopia. There's some debate. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yemen is, I don't want to get too much into it now. I'll save that for the next podcast. But Yemen is the first officially documented place that coffee mm-hmm. was drank. So. And they didn't have cream and sugar. No. So, so, <laughs> so it was the the Ethiopian story is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna save that for that podcast. But uh, um, how the legend goes that Ethiopia started drinking coffee is kind of funny. So, 
All right. So, yeah, next time we meet together, we'll jump into prophet, priest, and king and look at those three dynamics of Christ's ministry. Hope you'll join us then. And until then, have a wonderful cup of coffee and get in the Word and study theology as well. God bless you. Thank you for joining us, and we hope today's discussion has encouraged and challenged you. Please join us again next week as we discuss biblical truths over a fine cup of coffee.